Hello, dear viewers and listeners, and welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I remain Jason MPH Johnson Yellen, and he remains Joshua Morrissey Hatton. Hello, Joshua. How are you, Jason? Uh, this isn't the episode where we get into this. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. I'm just saying hi. It's like a common social thing. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm also well. Let's move on. I thought that's yeah, what I've we always, I, I've always made this social faux pas of answering that question honestly. And so it, it takes about <laughs> oh, yeah, we three don't need seconds. To know how you're doing. Yeah, it, it takes three <laughs> seconds to realize people don't actually want to know. So um, nice to see you. Uh, yeah, here we are. Recording, recording on a Friday in October for dropping on a Wednesday uh, later in October. We, uh, for new listeners, we identify a whiskey-related news story. We present it. We summarize it. We chitty chat about it, have a wee riff on it. It's kind of weird. I feel like we've transitioned from the summer to the fall because... There are a lot of emails coming in mm. featuring whiskey-related mm -hmm. news. You and I yeah. have seen a few extra whiskey-related stories. And I feel like we have gone from plowing in the mire to suddenly having an abundance of stories to get into. So we do have an email from Ian Bruce with a story. We're going to give that a bit of coverage. We've got an email from Michael Nolan with a story. We're going to give that a bit of coverage. And then there's a couple of additional things that we might want to get into, depending on time. We are always respectful of the tight 35. Always. Joshua. Always. With that said, what, that what did Ian Bruce send us? Well, Ian sent us an email on... Uh, 15th of September, and, and here we are nearly three weeks later. So apologies, Ian, for getting to oh, it that, uh, a little later than we would have liked. So please, that's on you, since I got dinged for a little email delay with somebody. A little bit of fun got made at someone's expense. So here we are, delving back to September 15th. You don't even remember okay, doing it. Up. Look at that. That's how um, little it means to you. I don't, but I remember doing this. I've got to introduce the show with our with our hey. banner, smattering of news items. I really like the way you put it. We went from a summer with barely any news dry. to the fall, dry. where now things are popping up. Right? Oh, yeah. nice pun there. So, uh, Ian's the subject of Ian's uh, email says possible extra extra or pad cost rant. So, uh, spoiler Ooh, alert, this will rant, be uh, extra. Gosh. Yeah, he says rant. Um, so, he says, good day to all three of the SCNJs. Hello. Hello. Jess says hello as well. Hope you all, uh, what does he say here? He says, hope you all, no, that's not what he says. He says, Hope you have all had a great time on your recent trip to Scotland. I was wondering if any of yous had read or came across the article in regards to the British Standards Institute, or BSI, uh, releasing some new guidelines for production of whiskey. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if this may cover uh, controversial topics such as synthetic coloring or filtration, but look forward to hearing any riffing. And of course, he gives the <laughs> link. 
And uh, he's always so kind. He says, keep up the great work and pad costs. I'm off to experience my first Aussie tour of the Whippersnapper Distillery tomorrow. And uh, and by the way, he sent us an e- a follow up email regarding his his visit there. So, oh, excellent. Um, we're, we're not, yeah, we won't read that today. But it's nice that he 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 got there and he gave us a little report, which we will get to, albeit late. Again, apologies, Ian. So, awesome. um, the article that he sent came out twelfth uh, of September on whiskeymagazine.com or whiskeymag.com, and um, oh, wrong. And I'm trying to see who penned it here. doesn't seem to be a name tied to it. So it says, <laughs> I, I'll read a bit of it here. And, and if I'm being very honest, there's not a lot of leaves on these branches, but maybe that's something to be talking about here. It says, <clears throat> a set of guidelines for the production of whiskey in the UK and Ireland have been launched by National Body of British Standards Institute, or from here on out, BSI. The new voluntary standard was developed with support from members of the Scottish, Welsh, English, and Irish whiskey industries and is designed to improve the overall quality of whiskey being produced in the UK and Ireland for both domestic and international sale. It offers advice on the production process and expected you're going to, you're going to have to help me with this word, Jason, because it's not one that fits in my mouth very well. Organoleptic. Is that correct? That's exactly it. That's, that's a home hey. run. Yeah. <laughs> Organoleptic. Yeah. Well done. There you go. So, so it offers advice on the production process and expected organoleptic characteristics, including color, aroma, flavor, as well as detailing analytical parameters that companies can use to assess the quality and, quote, authenticity of their whiskeys. It also incorporates some elements that are prescribed in law, such as that whiskey should be aged for a minimum of three years in wooden containers and then should be bottled at no lower than 40% ABV. Nothing really new there. Um, It goes on. Um, and, and feel free to, to interrupt at any time. Oh, I'm, I'm um, very ready to interrupt. <laughs> it goes on and says, production requirements and protections exist in UK law for single malt Scotch whiskey and single malt Welsh whiskey, while a technical file published in Ireland in 2014 lays out requirements for styles of Irish whiskey, including single malt and pot still. Meanwhile, the English Whiskey Guild has submitted a geographical indication, or, or GI, uh, application for English single malt whiskey to the UK government and is awaiting its outcome. I'm just going to read a few more, to be honest, or, or a so, bit more. And so to be me, honest, there really isn't that much more. Yes. Let me pause you there because you are about to answer my question in the next paragraph somewhat. When I first looked over this, and you're, you're right, there's not a lot of uh, leaves on the branches. And, and my first question yeah. was, who's this for? Who is the BSI serving here when we know there are Scotch stipulations, right? We've just heard in the last month yeah. or so the Welsh stipulations. You just quoted from the article there, they're talking about the 2014 Irish stipulations. And so who's this for? So, 
so he, he, here's what I think it is. And, and people who work in and amongst manufacturing, at least here in the U.S., may be familiar with this. There's, um, there's a certification known as iOS 9000, iOS 9001. And it's. Oh, I used to have that broom. A... <laughs> oh, that's right. You were a. Uh, what did you play in Quidditch? I forget. Quidditch, yeah. Represented, represented my house at Quidditch uh, at the University of Aberdeen. Uh, very proud. Very proud. The <laughs> ISO 9000, though, was a cracker. Real cracker. Sorry. Continue. It, it was a cracker. Yeah, I had the 9001, but that's because I, I, inher- I inherited it from a rich uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so spent some time the ISO <laughs> he brought it to me in his prison wallet. Anyway, the the ISO nine thousand nine thousand one. Did I say something? Um, certification. So basically, what it is, it is a manufacturing company says, okay, we make such and such a product. And to make such and such a product, these these are the steps that we take to make it. These are our mm-hmm. suppliers. This is, you know, for, from, you know, from, from A to Z, this is how we make our product. And then from department to department to department, uh, the people who work in said department have to verify and adhere to said steps. And then there's a third party institution that audits annually these manufacturing facilities to ensure that they're following the steps that they said they're going to follow to ensure the quality of their product. So mm-hmm. to me, this almost sounds like the BSI is saying, okay, UK distilleries, please tell us what you're doing. Get it down so so we understand the process, and we're just from a quality standpoint, we're just going to audit this annually, or audit audit it in in some in some way, shape, or form, whether it's annually or biannually or, or whatever, just to oh. ensure that you're sticking with the because it talks about the quality of the product. Okay, can I Correct. can I just add this in re- really Correct. quickly here? Yeah, you go read your paragraph that answers my question. Yeah, so it says, BSI said the new national standard, which is the first of its kind, would support distillers to focus on, quote, the quality of the product rather than the minimum regulatory requirements. It added that the standard could also be used by companies in other parts of the world to inform their own whiskey production. So that's that's how I take this BSI uh, or at least what they're attempting to do, I'm, I'm comparing it to what we have here in the U.S., which is the ISO 9000-9001 standard, which just says, hey, we say we're going to do a thing, and here are the steps we take to do a thing. We're now being certified, saying we do do that thing, and we will continue to do that thing, and we will be audited to ensure that we keep doing that thing to ensure quality. That's how I take this. One- but it's one of those interesting things that so long as it remains voluntary, what is this what's the standard achieving? Right? Because if if you're one of the groups making subpar whiskey, yeah. are are you a volunteer to this this arrangement? Are you saying, yeah, come in, tell us why we're making subpar whiskey, right? 
But on the flip side, right? Think of Diageo with their thirty distilleries, <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, you know, you, you want to come tell us how to make Clinlish? You, you want to come tell us uh, what we should be doing differently with Brora? Like it, it seems kind of it seems silly on that end of the scale as well. I would imagine, again, from what we've seen in America, if we're seeing the rise of distilleries opening. Yeah you might want a first step. So instead of maybe going out and hiring an ex-Maker's Mark distiller or an ex-Wild Turkey distiller, you instead go to an organization like the BSI and you say, how do we do this well from the beginning? And that, to me, sounds like a good idea. That sounds like a nice outlet for people who are looking to get into this uh, and to begin producing based on quality and not regulatory yeah, it, minimum. Right. And th- and that's the tough bit because what's quality to you, what's quality to me, it's all, isn't it kind of but that's, subjective? See, I, I don't think it I'm, is. And this, this, this article certainly says it's not, right? Okay. That's your organoleptics, right? That's your analysis. That's saying mm. good whiskey hits mm. this point on a mass spectrometer, Right. There are going to be biochemists here mm-hmm. who are saying, no, whiskey when it's good goes here. Whiskey when it's bad goes there. Mm-hmm. Here's how you get it there. And, I, and I, like, I like this idea because I think right now it is subjective, right? And we have got it where some people like distilleries mm-hmm. that we might say, I don't think that's very good. Um, but who gets to make the final decision? the consumer right i i was just uh i was just talking with a friend today about a bottle that uh, will remain nameless but it used a lot of good words on the label and i said mm. oh that's the type of label that would help you sell one bottle yeah, yeah. but your liquid yep. inside better be able to help you sell two and six and 12 and so on and so forth and it didn't Right, the the mm. liquid inside mm-hmm. simply did not live up to that. So, so th- that's the that's the part for me where I think traditionally we've said the consumer gets to make the ultimate decision on whether something is good or not. But I think if you're a biochemist or a scientist or engaged with organoleptics, you're able to say a much more thorough sentence. You know, look at this, the Scotch Whiskey Institute, right? I don't even know if that's their, that's their proper name. But but you know who I'm talking about, right? The, you know, the, the place where Jim Swan was for years and years. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. Right? And, yeah, and so what are they engaged in? They're engaged in the quality of Scotch whiskey beyond the basic meeting of regulations. That's, you know, that already exists within the Scotch industry. So, you know, opening yeah. a door for people I, I'm on board with. Uh, an objective valuation of of goodness that really cuts that really gets to the heart of this philosopher yeah it it, <laughs> it, it it'll be an interesting thing to to follow because it, i i i agree with you right in the end the customer decides what is and, and what is not quality and you bring up a good point with your example of klein leash like they need to keep their their they need to keep their their stuff dirty so it tastes the way it does so it has the right. mouth feel that it does and so and right. that's why I that's why I feel that this may turn into something that is simply a matter of 
you guys say you're going to do X, Y, and Z. Let's see you doing X, Y, and Z. And we'll just certify that you're doing X, Y, and Z, whatever that happens to be. And if the final product is a quality product as judged by the consumer, then awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate Ian bringing this to our attention. Yeah. I, I'm guessing yeah. this happened while we were in Scotland. I, I didn't see Heidner tail of it. Um, I, I, we did, of course, see uh, Welsh whiskey needing to be bottled in Wales, but that's a different story. That's a different, different story. Yep. All right. Uh, turning over to the uh, the extra extra PDF machine here, uh, we've got J slash J breaking news dot dot dot. More distilleries announced to open on Isla. These are all Michael Nolan's words. My question for you chaps is, can this little island support this much whiskey production? (laughs) Don't get me wrong. If this benefits the community, it is a great thing. Mm. It just seems from what I read, there is already a housing shortage and the new building stock is becoming expensive. Then factor in the transportation issues of getting on and off the island. When does the number of distilleries overwhelm the island's existing infrastructure? When is too much of a good thing trouble? Cheers, gentlemen. Thanks, Michael. So cheers, uh, Michael Nolan. This came from, and it is listed Mm -hmm. as breaking news from Whiskey Advocate. Um, And let's see, do we have anybody on this one? Um, Another one without a name attached to it, but the title is Shivas Brothers announces plan to build a distillery on Isla. (laughs) <laughs> and, then it, and then it makes me laugh. While there's not yet an opening date, <laughs> the new distillery's focal point will be peated single malt. Yeah, you, you think we've just gone from like a breaking news announcement to, and they're opening on you know September 2024. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. This this seems quite short here. Um, and so let, let me just jump in here. Uh, so I've, I've said Shivas Brothers, that's in the title. The new site will be situated on... Have you read this article? I haven't read the article. I know the story, and I heard about this before the story was released. Right. So, yeah. And so, yeah. And so where, the, where the site is going to be situated, do you remember the name? It's the Gartbrek site right yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. the most surprising part to and, me like and so, so this is I mean, the one the, the french couldn't make one was it cornog they were trying to build there yeah it, it was it was the folks from cornog they they had the site they had the planning in place and i think i think planning was either approved or in discussion i seem to recall there potentially being an issue of access to water um, exactly that. Exactly yeah, so, that. So, if there's something to pull from the article, let's let's do that. If we could pull it yeah, from no. our own allegory, that's, yeah. that's fine too. Yeah, no, yeah. not really. Uh, the new site will be situated on Garbrek Farm, which lies just a couple of miles southwest of Bowmore Distillery on the shores of Loch Endal, facing across the water to our Brookladdy in Port Charlotte. As yeah. of now, there's no word on the scale of the facility or when its doors will open, but the focus will be on peated single malt. Yeah. And then it's just a really a little bit of fluff after that. Uh, the, the move marks Shivas Brothers' entrance into Isla Whiskey, then names a whole bunch of things that they own and then a whole bunch of things that they produce. End mm-hmm. of breaking news. So what's the takeaway? Shivas Brothers are opening a peated single malt whiskey distillery on the site of Gartbreck Farm. 
Well, so a, f- a few things here. Uh, Including and, Nolan's few things. Yeah, and, and I will get to Nolan's few things because I, I think they're they're very important. Um, Absolutely. They're, they're, they're very important. But my initial thought is why why would Chivas want a distillery on Islet? And it's important to remember, just like Diageo, Chivas make blends. They need peated whiskey. And we know that Port Ellen Maltings have stopped selling peated malt to their other to other we islands. Covered that last year. Covered that last year because they need peated malted barley for their own distilleries that have increased production and then some to feed their own blends because they're hoping India will open up. Right, you, you see a, a path here. Absolutely, they're smart, right? If they lose access to peated Isla whiskey for their blends, don't they need their own? The, the, the answer to that is is a resounding yes. So for them as blenders, it's an incredibly smart move. Back to, and I've mentioned this before because I, I came from manufacturing. Manufacturing facilities and distilleries are manufacturers. Companies that own multiple distilleries own multiple manufacturing distilleries or manufacturing facilities. They need vertical integration. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. They need peated malted barley, peated malted whiskey. Fucking hell, I can't use words in it. They need peated whiskey for the blends. How's that? There you go. So, <laughs> so, 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 so I get that. To Nolan's point, though, yes. it's a very good one. You know, you, you've got the CalMac ferry system, which is in, uh, in in a dire situation, um, don't they still have a ferry down right now? That was certainly the last we heard, yes, was that um, they were down to one Isla ferry, which is a yeah. hell of an ask. And, and my understanding is the distilleries are not allowed to incorporate their own ferry system. They have to work Indeed. with CalMac. It's, it's a... It's a government subsidized uh, ferry system, so so that's going to bring some significant issues. The roads. Anybody who's been on Isla knows that the roads are they're not great. Knows that the housing situation is not great. I mean, look at Port Natrue. We covered that Natrude, last season, right? Part of their build is to incorporate housing. Um, so. You know, building a distillery to fill for your blends is, is all well and good, but they're going to be up against a lot of obstacles, um, all of which Nolan brought up in his email. I am surprised as an outsider who lives in the great state of Virginia in the United States of America, right? This is all code for I know nothing about what went into this decision. Yeah. But if we are sitting here saying, what about CalMac? What about housing? What about island infrastructure? And if we're able to say, it seems like there's already a lot, some might say too many, distilleries on Isla, the council, now, was it an Argyle council decision here? Is it an Isla council decision mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. You know, Argyle, you know, for those not familiar with the geography, an Argyle council decision would put this on the mainland, the, the west coast of Scotland mainland. They would be making a decision about what's happening on Isla. 
But I remember with Port Truin, with that crew needing to be on Isla to answer the questions of citizens of mm, Isla. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like how did this get approval if what we understand is that Isla is already splitting at the seams? Well, yes. <laughs> My, again, like you, I'm even worse. I'm not even Scottish, right? You, you at least have a connection to the land, despite not living there. But as a know-nothing American, I have, I have to assume all of these questions are questions that Chivas have asked themselves, um, and 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 Diageo have asked themselves as they as they rebuild Port Ellen. It could very well be that. If you approve more distilleries, it helps force a decision on what can be done with ferries. Maybe it allows for more money to to repair ferries, to bring on more ferries, to allow for a different ferry line because of the increased amount of barley coming over, yeast coming over, spirit going back, etc., of course, there's going to be people that would say, yeah, well, historically speaking, Isla's had 20 plus distilleries at one point. Yeah, well, that's when all the spirits stayed on the island and none of it came across. Like, we live in a different world. <laughs> were, were they doing 2 million liters annually at each of those? <laughs> but but, but um, I think you, but then yeah. you bring up one of the considerations, which is water on Isla. And, and as much as, yes, for years we've joked about the abundance of water in Scotland, right? It's our number one product. Um, there are shortages of water on Isla, right? Kilholman <clears throat> is shutting up shop for a period. Um, Ardbeg's water source is getting very low in summer months, right? We're now going to add another distillery onto mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. I, I think environmentally, I think it poses great problems. And look, you know, we said kind things about Port Natruin because our buddy Ollie is part of the team there and, and Georgie Crawford's part of that. Um, I'm, I'm not going to turn coat because Shivas is doing this and, and we don't know anybody from the Shivas team. Mm-hmm. But I think there are very real questions that have nothing to do with a guy in Virginia, nothing to do with a guy in Connecticut, yep. that need to be answered by the people who live and operate on Isla. And so by that, I mean citizens and I mean businesses and, and you know distilleries. There are very serious questions yeah. that need to be debated and conclusion. the right conclusions need to be drawn. And, and my final word on this, and I've said this previously, but I think it bears repeating. And, and you, 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 know, you say this as a Scotsman here. Yep. I, I don't want to see a cherished Hebridean island turned into an industrial footprint for the production of peated single malt whiskey. Mm, that mm. is a grand error. And, and I don't think we can stand by and let that happen uh, to, a, to a cherished Hebridean island. So pop a wee, a wee flag in the sand on that one. There you go. That's a, 
there. I, I have other things I could say, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it there because I know we've got one other story that you're bringing no. us. Am I correct? No, give give us one other thing so I so I can get a taste of what you're sitting on. Give me one thing from that from from what you're not saying. I I just feel that the more with this now third approval since Ardnaho, right? Am I right there? Port Nitruin, Port Ellen. Uh, and now this Gartbrecht distillery? Uh, no, there's the other one over the back, the one that's even farther west than Kilhoman. Uh, what's what's the name of that project, Jess? Oh, I know the one you're talking about. Right now. So now there's four, right? Right. Since Ardnaho, you're saying? Since Ardnaho. Including Ardnaho. Right. right, since Ardnaho. Yeah, so my, my point is I just have a feeling that things are going to get up, get to the point where these distilleries cannot be set up to fail. There's too much money backed, too much money behind all of these pro- projects that in a way I have a feeling it's going to force some issues. What those issues will be, I don't know. Maybe tax dollars will be diverted to help re- uh, you know, you know, to, to, to help with infrastructure or to help with ferries or, or I don't know. I just, there has to be a tipping point where you can't let those things easily fail. Let them fail when there's a whiskey lock, you know, like, like it happened in the eighties, but out the gate as they're building, I I think something's going to force some changes to logistics and infrastructure. I do wonder though, if, if you're an illich, and, and you're a resident of Isla, and you've been watching since about 2000, 2001, and you've seen the rebirth of Brookladdy, and you've seen the creation mm. of Kilhoman, and you've seen the, the money reinvested into Lagavulin and Kalila, even Bunahaven and Bowmore. Then you see the birth of Ardnaho. Then mm. you see coming down the line, you know, <laughs> multiples after that. Then you see the rebirth of Port Ellen. At each stage, if you're on, on Isla, are you saying, okay, this is the one that pays for the new roads. Okay, this is the one that invests <laughs> in schools. Yeah. Okay, this is the one that makes sure our young families yeah. can afford to stay on. You know, you know, not, not to talk out of school, but but being with, with someone like Pinky, who's, who's quite outspoken at, at Lagavulin, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he freely talks about the tax money that has continued to leave the island, never to come back. And so mm-hmm. at, at each stage for 23 years, you say, maybe this time, maybe this time, maybe this time. And here we are sitting here saying, maybe this time. Oh, man. Make it this time. What's the uh, what's the definition of insanity? <laughs> right. Right. Do yeah. the same thing over and over. All right. Um, all right. We'll, we'll close out with a, with a quick few minutes on this one. But I thought it was quite exciting. We've... We've been friendly with the Holyrood Distillery folks mm-hmm. uh, for, for a fair bit, uh, spent some real special time at the distillery, uh, learned about multiple mash bills, multiple caskings. Um, they, they come up in conversation quite a lot. We interviewed Nick Ravenhall uh, shortly mm-hmm. after he became MD there, uh, managing director there. Uh, he has recently left Holyrood. Uh, to explore personal projects that he had on the back burner uh, while he was MD at Holyrood. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and we wish him nothing but success there. Uh, Woven is one of his uh, oh, yeah, brands. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and there, he and I had a wonderful conversation uh, last week, actually, where they're responding a bit like Gordon McPhail. They're responding to cask availability and how do you build brands on this and how do you build stability around this? So a uh, great conversation about Woven, but just like you had said mm. previously, that's a conversation for another day. So Holyrood has launched its first single malt whiskey. It went on sale Today, the day we're recording, October six, is is generally uh, general availability. Um, I'm I'm quickly reading here. The spirit for what is being called arrival was matured in Oloroso butts, Pedro Jimenez hogsheads, bourbon barrels, and rum barriques. It was produced with a traditional distilling malt and distiller's yeast which Holyrood says will form the flavour foundation of its single malt recipes going forward, layered with heritage and specialty malts and yeasts not traditionally used in Scotch whisky production. Mm -hmm. So the reason this is of interest to me is for Holyrood, when you go there, and they talk about being experimental. And, and I've, I, I said this to Nick, you know, when, when he was first there and, and first putting ideas in place, they look a lot like Brookladdie in Edinburgh. And everything's on the table and everything's possible and everything's exciting. And, and when Jess and I were there last May, May of 22, mm-hmm. it, it, Jess and I also said it feels a bit like Westland, right? They've got brewing backgrounds and they're taking oh. multi-malt mash bills, grain bills. And bringing that together, and and so there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of enthusiasm. But one of the questions, and we've always kind of covered this with someone like a Brookladdy, is, but in the early days, first decade or so, but who are you, and what do you do? Yeah. And 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 now Holyrood with arrival have been able to put their flag in the sand and say, here's who we are right now. And here's what we're putting out. So, you know, yeah. a, a new malt whiskey in the market. You know, we started out talking about well, the BSI, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And and these standards and, and how you doing and what you're doing and what does it look like and what does it taste like? Well, now we've got Holyrood being able yeah. to say, here's what we taste like. And I, I don't like the way you said that. This is who we are now. Right? Which, which I think it's such an important you be careful, statement. Right? You, you do, right? Because that's that's what Brooklady were doing when they reopened. They were trying to figure out who they were. Hollywood are going to figure out who they are. And you know what? Back to your point, um, when we were discussing the BSI, it's going to be the consumer that's going to tell them what is quality to their palates and, 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 and what is not. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for them. You know who else I'm excited for is uh, Isle of Harris Distillery, who just launched ah, their first yes. whiskey as well. Uh, I'm glad you bring this up. Absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah, my mum texted me about Isle of <laughs> Harris putting out their first single malt. And yeah. the obvious connection is they're so incredibly well-known for their gin yeah. that the gin is on my mum's radar. And so when a group she knows for their gin talks about whiskey, she's like, oh, Jason, I, 
to tell Jason. <laughs> so, so yeah, we nearly got a, a text from my mom into an episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. There you go. Uh, what, what have you seen? I haven't, I haven't followed up on any of the Isle of Harris news. And anything in particular coming out of that announcement? Yeah, I haven't dug too deep. I saw a picture of the bottle, which, as you might imagine, anybody who's seen the Isle of Harris gin bottle, absolutely mm, right. stunning. This one right. is is within that wheelhouse. It's shorter, squatter. It almost seems like a mix between an Isle of Harris gin bottle and some of those fancier Gordon McPhail bottles that have been coming out as of late with all the ridges along the side. Um, you know, for some of their older spirits. So it has that very mm. prestigious uh, look to it. It's really attractive. So what the flavor profile is, how they're producing it. I just, I've been traveling so much. I, I haven't had time to just absolutely, you know, just dig into it. So I plan to do that and hopefully I'll get a taste too. Awesome. 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 Well, there we go. There's a, there's a smattering of news items that was mm-hmm. really fun just hopping around some stories after some of our summer conversations of can we cover this <laughs> is this worth putting on like what else can we do so this was lovely this was very relaxing very whiskey centric and and thoroughly enjoyable if you if you want to be like ian uh bruce or michael nolan or, or any of the other people that write into us, you can email us info at singlecastnation.com or questions at one nation under whiskey.com. No E in whiskey. And you must, must smash the subscribe button and TTB. Tickle that I bell. I think you're pointing at your bell that needs to be tickled. There you go. Listeners, yeah, one- you're escaping something right now. You're escaping something the, vital. The bell below the video in the YouTube page. Below the video. That a new episode's below coming. The yes. There you below go. The, below video. the video. Right down there. Right oh, there. gosh. He's doing it again, listeners. He's doing it again. We are going to respect our tight 35. We have had our fun, and now we're going to get out of here. And until next time, we'll get out of here by saying peace. Peace. Where are your fingers? There they are. Peace.